Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I am merely Andy Barons. I'm coming to you from Chicago. I am joined today by Scott Pianowski, uh, who has returned from Parts Unknown. We're going to have fantasy thoughts for you on on a glorious Midwestern Tuesday here uh, in late May. Scott, how are you? Doing great. Uh, I'm coming to you with a cast of thousands. I got my lawn guy in the background. So, um, you know, if you want to look at a nicely manicured lawn and Suburban Detroit. I'm your guy. Uh, my my puppy Teddy is <laughs> floating around. I've tried to put up gates and dissuade him with bully sticks. That's not working. So I'm figuring, you know, between the sound of a weed whacker or the sound of a, of a five month old puppy, they'll probably be part of this podcast and probably be the highlights of this podcast. But I'm back. I'm back from vacation. I uh, went to the wedding of Rod McNeil and Alyssa Faria, two very close friends. Uh, Rod was misguided enough to name me the best man. I thought I knocked it out of the park with a speech. Um, I'm, I'm surprised <laughs> not on YouTube yet, but you know maybe it will be soon. But we had a great time. Uh, they have they have wonderful friends. Uh, the food was outstanding. The dancing was terrific. Of course, I danced really to one song, the Humpty Dance, which is you know the, the classic. Of course, the, you did. Yeah, the classic wedding song. Right. I was I was summoned to the center of the circle, Andy. Now, I hope that does not end up on YouTube. But um, step off. Scott is doing his hump. step off. I was doing the hump. R.I.P. <laughs> Hump to hump. We lost G Shock a few years ago, which uh, which is a big loss to the music community. But anyway, great wedding. Um, my long guy's here, and uh, let's talk some football. Well, shoot, I've got a dog that you might hear as well. I've got the L, uh, maybe a quarter mile away from my home. So there's listen, there's going to be some background noise um, if you're listening to a fantasy football podcast at the end of May, start of June. Um, sh- like surely uh, a little bit of background noise isn't going to isn't going to rattle you today. Is it safe to say uh, that, that you, they should be fading that noise, Andy? No, maybe may bad <laughs> turn of phrase. Be fading the noise. You are, <laughs> you are correct. We love um, you, Bradley. Should fade, fade all things noise. Um, today we're going to be discussing eventually the, the biggest value losers of the NFL offseason. Um, but first we had a little we had a little intersection of the baseball world with fantasy football and it was it, it was just absolutely magnificent last week we we have to we we have to discuss it at least a little bit um in case people haven't seen the story they probably have but in case they haven't reds outfielder tommy fam uh who himself is kind of a decent power speed guy right a little little bit of a fantasy asset he was suspended for three games uh following a pregame altercation with giants outfielder jock peterson 
who is um, just a, a seems like a delight of a of a man. Um, we're dealing with two of the two of the weirder gentlemen, I, I, I guess I would say, in uh, in Major League Baseball. The dispute originated, at least in some way, in their fantasy football league, their shared fantasy football league. Apparently, the confrontation had been building for some time uh, in Peterson's initial account. Fam was upset because Peterson had used the IR slot on a fantasy roster on a player who was merely listed as out in a given week. Um, Peterson accuses Fam of having done the exact same thing, which has the ring of truth when these things go down in actual fantasy leagues. Um, I, I've I, later th- this situation was clarified, uh, or I think Fam in fact expanded on it by by revealing that uh, Peterson at some point used the fantasy league group chat to make fun of the Padres downfall, their, their tailspin last season. So that, that became part of the story as well. Um, I love every bit of this various fantasy players over the years has, have submitted to me virtually this exact same dispute for review in fantasy court. Um, seriously, countless times I've seen this thing. It is such a, just an arcane, petty, easily resolved dispute. Um, I, I love that this became a story. Yeah, what's what's up with fam just you know, slapping at Peterson? That that was uncalled for, but pretty wild. Look, yeah. we there's a few things to unpack here. I've always thought that, and Andy, you could speak to this better than I could because you've actually taken on this job as you know this um, arbiter of fantasy dispute. The IR spots are a pox. You know, so many things uh, we were constantly getting bugged on Sunday. Oh, so and so isn't playing. How come he's not IR eligible yet? It's like, I, I can't help you. I I, I don't control that. I don't control when the New York Mets decide to make an IR move or the Chicago White Sox decide to make an IR when, when Tim Anderson goes on the IR, IL. I, I don't, not in my jurisdiction. I think we should have fewer IR spots. I think they cause un, you know, um, unintended consequences. I do think Jock Peterson or anybody else should be allowed to make fun of the San Diego Padres baseball club or any other team for that matter. <laughs> I, I know producer John is a diehard Padres guy and I, you know, much respect to, you know, the San Diego Chicken, to Gary Coleman, to Ken Caminiti, 1998 Padres, 1984 Padres, Steve, Steve Garvey. It's a great zoo. It's a wonderful yes. zoo. Uh, San Diego's fantastic. I still think the Chargers should yeah. go back to San Diego. When, when I'm sports czar for 24 hours, they will go back to San Diego and then they'll go back to Los Angeles or wherever, you know, the Chargers are probably going to be the Montana Chargers someday. The Las Vegas, we'll get a, <laughs> Las Vegas, we'll get a second team, right? They'll be the Vegas Chargers and everybody will still care about the Raiders. The Chargers are just destined to be the second, you know, kind of the Clippers of the, of the NFL. But fantasy is a social network. And in social networks, sometimes people have disagreements. We, we ask that you do not try to settle your disagreement in the Cincinnati you know, ballpark and then their outfield during batting practice, you know, with a, a, you know, out of nowhere slap of the face. That's not what you're supposed to do. Um, But should you be passionate about your fantasy leagues? Yes. Should you have group chats? Yes. Should you make fun of things in a playful, you know, no harm intended manner? I think so. I don't know. There's a lot of kidding and, and ribbing in my hometown leagues. You know, you don't make certain things are, you don't touch, you don't touch spouses. You don't touch kids. You don't touch my dog, Teddy. But, you know, San Diego Padres Baseball Club, I, I think that's fair game. And, um, you know, of course, the IR move, I believe, was was tied to a San Francisco running back, was tied to Jeff Wilson. So, you know, this, this wasn't <laughs> that's even right. – That's right. We're yeah. not talking about, like, Christian McCaffrey here. We're not talking about A.J. Brown. We're not, we're not talking about Patrick Mahomes. It was like, oh, my God, you know, is somebody stashing Jeff Wilson? Is somebody getting you know, unauthorized access to him for an extra week? 
God forbid it's it's the one week out of the 17 that Jeff Wilson actually does something of fantasy use. It's um that just makes the story a little bit extra juicy. So yeah, it's um a lot a lot to unpack, a lot to enjoy. I want to see the full I want to see the full group chat so bad. I like I just to the beginning of its history, to the beginning of the the league. I want to I want to unspool the full thing. I want to read it all. Um and also I need to know who the commissioner of this league is, because I feel like all of this could have been uh, headed off by by just a, a firm handed commissioner who stepped in and said, listen, this is the role. Here's how it's going to be enforced. Like this is, you know, just uh, not that we need to uh, dive too far into fantasy analysis from this, but like to actually ask your commissioner to enforce this particular quirk uh, in a in a league where you can put somebody whose status is like out or doubtful or whatever onto onto an IR spot, you're asking a lot of a commissioner if he's supposed to hawk like 10, 12, 14 different lineups and make sure nobody is exploiting this small loophole. I mean, like the easiest thing is always just to allow whatever whatever the platform allows, d- like do that. Um, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't create rules on top of rules beyond uh, beyond what the platform allows. But I'm also with you in that, like if you just get rid of IR spots, um, that's probably, you know, whether you have a deep bench or a shallow bench, like force people to make transactions, force people to make difficult ad drops. I'm fine with that. Bingo, too. bingo. Force people to make difficult ad drops. The, the football leagues I run will have limited IR space. It may, may be one or two spots. And to the, because I always say that this seems to be more of a fancy baseball problem where I'm in some leagues, some industry leagues with unlimited IR. And what happens is you have all the storage space in the world. But if you're, God forbid, you're in an only league, there's nobody to pick up. But you can stash all, all nine of your hurt guys. Just, you know, you, you know, which backup catcher do you want to replace them? So I, I, I'm all for difficult decisions. I'm all for, you know, putting more, you know, more points of inflection into your league because I think that adds skill to the league. I also want to say, and I, and I, 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 jo- I say this jokingly, but I don't want to, I don't want to go too hard with this. And, and producer John, if you want to edit this out, go ahead. But, Tommy Pham was, uh, what I believe, stabbed leaving a strip club a couple of years ago. Um, he's had this incident. I mean, t- Tommy Pham has hit the Tyson zone, right? I mean, I, what headline involving Tommy Pham at this point would you not believe Andy Barron, you know? <laughs> um, again, I don't know if this will survive. the. You know, this may be a director's cut only. So I, I defer to producer John's judgment in part because he knows Pham better than we do and in part because he just has better judgment probably than I do. But um, anyway, welcome to the Tyson zone, Tommy Pham. I I can share an off pod uh, story about Tommy Pham with you when we're done here, and I look forward to doing that. Uh, but that's that's probably quite enough baseball right now. Uh, as I as I mentioned earlier, the mission today is is really to discuss the biggest losers of the off season, at least as we sit here on on May thirty first. Um, you know, things may yet change. We're, we're probably still going to have some important transactions in June and July, but right now. We're talking about the biggest losers of the offseason, and we're going to use the same method that Matt Harmon and I did last week when discussing the most interesting teams uh, heading into 2022. We each made, Scott and I did the same things. We each made a secret list of of five guys, and we're going to run down the thing, um, and hopefully we have some overlap so this podcast doesn't go like an hour and a half. But if it does, it does. We just want to make sure that we hit every possible essential loser. I'm going to start this week. I'm going to start at number five and we'll count down. We'll do a little Casey Kasem style countdown. So Scott, give me your number five biggest off season value loser. I think I'm on the same page here, but just want to, so I'm saving the biggest loser for the end of the show. Yes. Biggest loser. 
is number okay. one. And remember the words of Tom Petty that even the losers do get lucky sometimes. <laughs> and then they have a little bit of pride. So let's let's not forget that. I am going to start with Kadarius Tony, fantasy loser. Uh, he's he's dinged up. The team shopped him. Uh, there's a lot of other talent in this locker room. I, I think Daniel Jones has a chance, but but we'll see. Um, Galladay, we'll see if he's healthy. We'll see what they get out of Barkley. Uh, Tony, a year ago, was reminding people of Odell Beckham. Okay, first round pick, wasn't ready right away. Oh man, but when he got on the field, look how how Brady moved laterally and how the splash plays he made. And, and now a year later, the team isn't necessarily in love with you. The coaching staff has been overhauled. I'm afraid to draft Kadarius Tony. Um, I, I guess that you know, he'll be drafted in the round where everybody's just taking flyers anyway. And the guys that you hope can maybe pop and maybe they're one of your first cuts, but um, I'm not proactively drafting into Kadarius Tony. I think his stock has fallen over the last maybe six to eight weeks. Yeah, this is a good name. I didn't I didn't include him on my list, um, and it's making me question exactly how thoughtful my list actually is. Um, this yeah, is your a list really, is really obviously garbage. Because... You you obviously didn't go past <laughs> the, the, the seven minutes I spent on mine or whatever it was. I, this I, it's a great call because the the offense itself is uh, is ascending. We think right, like they still have the same basic quarterback. Better situation. ascend. It was the worst so, offense in football for the final two months of the. They were like basically seven points right. a week. Man, were they off? They were like stream every defense imaginable. It, you know, stream the Edmonton Eskimos against the Giants last year. Joe, once again, the Bill Belichick coaching tree has failed miserably. Right? I mean, Joe Judge. I mean, Correct. he's never going to have a head coaching job again. I don't think in the NFL. Yeah, we still, uh, you know, we still obviously have the Daniel Jones situation, but there's a lot of talent there. But then they go out and they draft uh, Wandale Robinson, right? So they drafted a guy who could potentially be, um, you know, replace a lot of the lot of the targets that Tony was seeing. But some buzz about him getting dealt, and it never happened. Um, there's a bunch of places that he could land where we would feel a lot better about him. Um, but you're you're absolutely right. It's a it's a funky funky team in transition right now and um they have a they have a whole group you know this big group of of kind of semi brand name receivers and a and a quarterback where it's just really difficult to imagine daniel jones and he's listen he's shown flashes but uh, is daniel jones ever going to support like three viable fantasy receivers that's really difficult to imagine okay what's your five I'm going to give you my fifth year, and um, there was there was some debate among my among my interns over who this ought to be, but uh, but I went with I actually went with Mac Jones, and I went with Mac Jones more. How as a dare way you? How to, dare you, Andy? <laughs> the words more of Del, Del Don. Get, how dare you? To get you to discuss Mac Jones in the current situation the that we have Late with the set up by, by you and producer it, John, you guys. That's why I get for coming on the show two minutes late. You guys plot against it me. is it is mostly a it is mostly a setup. Yeah, I will admit that. Uh, uh, there, there has been at least at least some level of substantial upgrade to the receiving core. Uh, Devonte Parker lands there. He's nice enough. That's a that's a nice veteran. Um, but the, the the guy you just mentioned, Joe Judge, he's back in New England. I believe just sort of ambiguously as an offensive assistant. Right? He's not the he's not the OC formally. Um, he was previously what a position coach, special teams coach in New England. Maybe he's calling plays. Maybe it's Bill Belichick himself. Maybe it's Matt Patricia. It's really just this, it's the level of uncertainty about play calling, right? And listen, it's probably fine. If Bill Belichick, the greatest head coach in NFL history, is calling plays for you, maybe that's maybe that's okay. It is the relative lack of additions around Mac Jones, coupled with um, what can't possibly be um, a, a good scenario in the, in the coaching staff. Yeah, you, again, you're just trying to bait me here. Look, Nikhil Harry's probably on the way out, which is a good sign. I think Park can play. <laughs> 
Look, Mac Jones, I, I don't have it in front of me. I got to guess he was probably like, what, quarterback 21 or something last year. He'll probably be around that again. He'll be steady. He'll be a bi-week fill-in. He'll be, you know, if, if you don't proactively go after quarterback in a super flex league, you might end up with Mac Jones. You probably won't be thrilled about it. That, that's the kind of guy you're getting here. Did they make a splashy addition? No. And and, and I guess that looks bad in an offseason where big-name receivers are just changing teams, it seemed like, every week, right? I mean, the I've never seen a year with this much receiver movement. And then the last few drafts have been so wide receiver heavy. Now, the, the Patriots did take a receiver in the second round, but they drafted so poorly at the position that I, I assume that the Patriots, they could put A.J. Brown back into the draft and the Patriots could draft him and, and everyone would just assume it would fail. I mean, I, I, it's, just, <laughs> it's been a long time since anything's really worked in this passing game. I to me, Mac Jones was was a boring, you know, depth play before the draft and, and before free agency. And I think he kind of sits in the same area. If you want to tweak him down a little bit, you can do it. And and I guess maybe the statement is that the Patriots we're at a position now where they'll contend for a playoff spot and their upside might be maybe make the playoffs, maybe win a game. They're not seen as major Super Bowl threat. They're not obviously not the favorite in the division. You know, Buffalo right now is the overall. I, I saw one website claim as a hot take that the Bills were going to win the Super Bowl this year. They're their freaking favorites. Okay, way to go, way to go. You know, it's uh, you know, it's like it's like picking Giannis to, to win the NBA MVP. That's that's your hot take. I mean, it's great. You know. Oh, really? The team with an obvious top three defense and an obvious top three offense is among the favorite. Hmm. Huh. Yeah, that, that came with him like a squib kick away from beating the Chiefs, and then they probably would have beat, you know, they probably would have beaten the Bengals and, and won the Super Bowl or could have anyway. I mean, here's the point. I mean, if you were to say Josh Allen's and Super Bowls are hard to win, but if you were to say Josh Allen's Super Bowls, you know, over under a half, I think we'd all bet over um, on that because Buffalo has a strong defense. Um, you know, this is the time to do it because you know Allen just got his money and everything, but. Still, I don't think that's a hot take. But anyway, yeah, the Patriots are it's there, it's a very vanilla time for them because they don't have a lot of upside, but because of Belichick, they don't have a lot of downside. It's very right. hard to imagine them bottoming out. So what they look like is probably a nine and eight team. Maybe Belichick gets them, you know, nudges them up to ten and seven. But Mac Jones is a you know, he's a very nondescript quarterback, doesn't run a lot, doesn't have receivers who are gonna drag him to great games. They're going to, even when they win, you think it's probably going to be on the on the shoulders of the defense in the running game. And, you know, there might be like a, a 178 and one, a 223 and two. You know, you're looking for, you need your quarterback to either be able to run in touchdowns or to have those occasional 403, 404 games. And that's just not the Mac Jones jam. You get none of that in this offense. I suppose another reason that I that I highlighted Mac Jones here is you look at what every other team in the division has done um, for, you know, for better or worse, like wh whatever kind of quarterback Tua is going to be, um, we're not going to be able to blame the supporting cast this year, like offensive line. Great um, uh, receiving core. Unbelievable right now. You, you look at what the Jets did around uh, Wilson drafting around him. And, and obviously they, you know, they bring in some guys last year. They they draft Garrett Wilson this year. So that's interesting and then uh what do the bills do they add they add james cook they add, you know they, like crowder may not seem like a big addition to people but they they did enhance the receiving core just a little bit behind uh behind Diggs, and they, they keep gabe davis i don't know like every other team looks like it got better offensively um and i can't make the All same right. case for the Patriots. okay okay fine you want to turn this into an antagonistic pod i i have a list of I do. more than five I do. options here and i wasn't really sure which way i was going to go with it but fine you're throwing down Mac Jones. I'm throwing down Justin Fields. 
The Chicago He's my number one. The He's Chicago, my number one. Is your number one? Okay, that's good. That you don't one. have my number one then, because I, I there was one thing that jumped out at me as like my clear number one. Uh, the Bears have tended, the, and we've talked about this in the pods. I don't know how much of this is just going to be review, but and I'm really just teeing you up to to do some ranting about Chicago. But they drafted and handled free agency like Justin Fields already had all the help he needed. And man, I know he's going to run. I know he's athletic. I, I liked his game and his tape at Ohio State for whatever I'm qualified to say about that. I am not Greg Cosell. I'm not a professional NFL scout, but I think Justin Fields, when he got drafted, I was excited. And what do you want to see? You want, you talked about those AFC East teams stock in the fridge, at least you know, three of them. You think back to what – this was always a big thing with me, with, with Brady and Manning when they were coming up, is that the Colts were constantly drafting first-round talent. Manning inherited Marvin Harrison. They drafted Edron James. They drafted Joseph Adai. They drafted Dallas Clark. They drafted Reggie Wayne. Even guys that didn't pan out like Anthony Gonzalez, Donald Brown, all first-round picks. While the Patriots for like a handful of years were like, okay, you know, here's Jabbar Gaffney. And you know, here, you know, Troy Brown's already here. Well, why, why do you need the receiver? Yeah. It wasn't until the Randy Moss trade and then they lucked into Gronkowski, who they drafted, who had been hurt a lot during his college career. You know, and, you know, they found some guys, you know, they got really lucky, I think, with Edelman. They got really lucky with Wes Welker, but they weren't drafting skill talent in the first round, not the Patriots MO. And I, I believe in what, what you believe in. You, you want your young quarterback to succeed, do what the Jets have done, do what Miami has done. And the Chicago Bears are not doing that for Justin Fields. Not sure why. Um, it's, it's a shame, too, because. The division, Detroit, I know they were plucky last year, but I mean, nobody thinks they're a playoff team. In Green Bay, obviously, they're kind of in a transition year with no Devontae Adams. The Vikings have a new coach. They crash landed last year. I think they have a wide range of outcomes. This is a wide open division. Maybe 10 or 11 wins could win it if Green Bay takes a step back that I expect them to. And I don't really know what Chicago's plan is. What say you, Andy? Yeah, certainly entering the offseason, um, they, they didn't very little draft capital, right? They didn't pick until the second round. That was a, that was a problem for them, certainly. Um, but but still a, a team with almost no receiving talent, like very little receiving talent on the roster outside of Darnell Mooney, who I don't necessarily view as a number one, but he's fine. Of course, he should be on the field all the time. He's good. The names that they added that like the the list just got more hilarious the deeper we got into the offseason. It was Byron Pringle. It was Tajay Sharp, Dante Pettis, David Moore, Equinemius St. Brown. These are like all of your worst waiver and or draft Andy, decisions. Andy, Devontae Parker, who you poo-pooed, would look like Terrell Owens on this team. Oh, absolutely. Would have been a huge addition for this team. You, we think about the number of uh, we're in complete agreement on Justin Fields here, except I perhaps think he's a bigger loser in the offseason than you do. Yeah, it, it, just brutal. When they finally got around to drafting a receiver, they drafted a 25-year-old. Um, he's fast. <laughs> he's fast. But like when he's done with his rookie contract, that'll be it. Like, do we really repay a guy who's 30 years old or going on 30, right? Like, They've learned nothing it, from fantasy. Like, Haven't we learned in the last few years you got to keep going younger and younger at the wide receiver and, and running back positions, right? The talent comes in at age 21. Yeah. I mean, we're at a point now where we're petrified, at least I am and Dalton is, I don't know if you are, to, to draft second contract running backs. And the oh, receiver, absolutely. the receiver wall comes in the late twenties. It's they're not that far yep. behind, and a lot of really good receivers are coming into their late twenties. So we'll see how they age. But Chicago did not get that memo. They went with the Brandon Whedon pick, which is, you know, I think there's a big mistake. The, uh, I mean, the line was a mess last season. It is not obviously better in any way. They drafted some linemen in like rounds five through seven, and they're some of them are going to have to play. They got to find a starter in there somewhere. 
uh, that my only hope here is really the the new coaching staff, right? We got a new OC, Luke Getze. He's from Green Bay. Maybe it's going to be great, but like everybody on this coaching staff is is sort of leveling up. So we haven't seen any of them as play callers. We haven't seen any of them as as real game managers. We don't know what it looks like. So all I can do is be optimistic about those guys. There's like you hear a little bit from OTAs about how, oh, Justin Fields is going to be on the move this year. He's going to have to be on the move yeah, this year because he's not be protected. Yeah, right. Um, it's a good it's thing. Rough. It's a yeah. good thing Chicago has the Chicago sky because man, it seems like all the White Sox hey, are going hurt. later tonight. I'm going later tonight for the finals rematch. Sure, the all Raiders. the White Sox are hurt. It. Feels like um, the Cubs yeah. are. I don't know what they're doing. I'm, I'm all. I'm here for the Christopher Morel breakout, but I mean, they look like they're. You know, they, you know, people are going for the park. They're not going for the 2022 Chicago Cubs. The Bulls had Correct. no K season, but they're kind of an NBA purgatory right now. And I don't know the the next great Chicago Bears team. And I say this with no joy because it's. There are certain teams, I, I just think, like the NFL is better if the Cowboys are good or, or college football is better if yeah. Notre Dame is good. I think the NFL is better when the Bears are good. And I don't well, know. Well, there's when a they're reason the be. Bears keep getting primetime games, right? Like they will turn out an audience even when they're not a particularly good team. And it's I, like it's good times for the NFL when the Bears are actually a, a viable contending franchise. Okay. And that ain't now. It ain't now. Well, let me give you my let me give you my number four on this list. And it pains me to say that it is uh, Antonio Gibson. Uh, as my as my fourth biggest loser, it it feels like feels like yesterday that Ron Rivera was comparing Antonio Gibson to a, a young Christian McCaffrey, right? Like that was just a, we're, we're just a couple years removed from that. Last year is now Gibson, he comparing him to the old Christian McCaffrey. Well, now we're getting comparisons. Gene McCaffrey. Um, between not quite Gene McCaffrey. We haven't we haven't bottomed out to that extent, but we're getting comparisons of Antonio Gibson and the and the Bama rookie, uh Brian Robinson Jr., uh to the old uh D'Angelo Williams Jonathan Stewart arrangement, which used to be pretty good for D'Angelo, but not as good yeah, as it could have been. D'Angelo Williams and, is one of the, like great forgotten NFL players and who never Oh, absolutely. Who absolutely. very seldom had a backfield to himself, except when Pittsburgh had Le'Veon Bell unavailable, and all of a sudden they plugged in D'Angelo Williams. He went ballistic. He had another year in Carolina. Did he scored 20 touchdowns or 18 touchdowns or something like that. D'Angelo Williams, I think there's a, if you sim his career like a thousand times, I think there's a few times where he ends up in the <laughs> Hall of Fame. I mean, he's he was that good. Yeah. And never yeah. seemed to be in the perfect setup for him as far as maximizing his production because he had to share a lot. And, you know, Jake DeLone was throwing the ball to the other team and stuff like that. Well, I really... I feel for I feel for Antonio Gibson here because he's coming off this year in which he played through a damn broken leg, right? Like he had a he had a stress reaction in his leg that cost him like a month and he played through it. Only missed a game late in the season due to COVID. He was one of four guys who finished with 300 touches. And now, you, you know, they retain McKissick. McKissick has a role. McKissick is the guy who's on the field when they get into like two minute offense. Um and Brian Robinson, apparently in some sort of rotational role, it's probably not going to be enough to matter for his fantasy value. But is it going to be enough to to push Antonio Gibson down to like 230, 240 touches, maybe less? Yeah, it it probably is if the head coach uh, in the middle of spring is already talking that way. So Gibson, for me, a pretty clear loser. I have to just mention one other thing. Well, I guess two other things with Washington. One, I hate the commander's name. I would have stuck with football team. Or there are some other names that were floated that I liked. They obviously had to get rid of the previous nickname. We all know that, but I'm not. Yeah. A big, I'm, Commanders is not rolling off the tongue for me. You know, Carson Wentz. When I was doing some magazine work for football, and I I was uh, I did the Lindy's quarterback profiles. I know you had a feature in Lindy, so check out the Lindy's magazine when it comes out. 
I've ranked. Wrote the running backs too. There you go. Excited there you go. It. Most important position. You, you people buy the magazine, read you, probably ignore my Carson Wentz profile. But when I got to Wentz, <laughs> I buried him in the rankings. I had him I don't know, 25, 26, 27. And I looked at the stats. He actually statistically had a pretty decent year last year. And I think it's my viewing experience of Carson Wentz. And when some of the just the bad plays he makes or some of the, oh, my God, what were you thinking when you threw that? Every quarterback has a few of those. I feel like Carson Wentz has a lot of them. I feel like a lot of interceptions were left on the field by very friendly defenders last year. A hundred percent. Now, we yes. know Washington last year, right? You know, much to the chagrin of Terry McLaurin. You know, as Allen Robinson is to Matt Harmon, I'm, Terry McLaurin's kind of been my guy, and it hasn't been fun lately. <laughs> And so I was just really hoping that, okay, can Washington get a real quarterback? They have Carson Wentz. Is that an upgrade? Is that just going to be heartbreak? He's back in the NFC East. I don't, I don't think anybody, any of the Washington opponents are sad to see Carson Wentz back. What's your, where's the Washington offense? How, how, when we speak to any skill player, okay, we speak to Gibson or McLaurin or anybody, you know, Logan Thomas, whoever it is in this Washington offense, you have to at least consider how you feel about the quarterback as you rank those guys. So what is Carson Wentz being here? How what is the trickle down effect for you as you consider the 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 two or three Washington players we're going to want to draft anyway? I mean, does it make you like them more or less about the same? Where are you at? Yeah, Carson for me is in that range of quarterback, um, and he's that he's that. I you know I don't have a lot of good things to say about him, but I'm trying to I'm trying to think of other guys who come to mind that that also um, uh, people that I don't want to insult. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to roll out like he's he's that Blake Bortles sort of quarterback where in the right season, I feel like he can support an offense that's full of viable fantasy starters. Like the problem for Wentz is just he can't go he can't go a quarter without giving the defense a real opportunity to take away the football, like trying to give the ball away. And that is a huge real life problem. It is, you know, I you think of the you think of the the interception that he threw from his own end zone late last. Like he just, you know, there there are some real head scratching plays that great quarterbacks don't make. I mean, when everything is on schedule and everything goes right for Carson Wentz, though, like he can make throws. Um, he's certainly a, a physically skilled quarterback. He's got a lot of the traits that you would want. The issue for him is the is the one time every you know twelve minutes or so that he's going to try to give the ball to the other team. Um, well, here's what I don't. Here's what I don't get. Answer the answer me this, Andy Barons. How many? I'm going to ask you. And he played all 17 games last year. How many interceptions did Carson Wentz throw in 2021? Oh man, without looking, I'm I'm sure it's a low number. Is it eight to ten? Yeah, he threw seven. There? It felt like he had a season where yeah. he should have thrown fourteen, and he threw seven somehow. He also wasn't throwing uh, particularly late in the season. He's not he's not putting the ball in the air forty times a game. Fair. That's part of it. Fair. I guess I guess just going through his stats, I, I thought to myself, maybe I need to have uh, some common sense, you know, intervention about Carson Wentz because I just I'd become so out on Carson Wentz. And when the Colts basically said, we're done with this guy, that that to me is like, OK, if Frank Reich is giving up on Wentz, if he's throwing up his hands and saying we need to do better. And they yeah, think we've Matt got Re coaches apologizing for bringing Carson Wentz into the building right. like that. And they look at bad. they look at an <laughs> aging Matt Ryan as a solution to the problem. And, and now the Colts are like, oh, my God, we have Matt Ryan. This is great. Yeah, And uh, that's going to segue into my next pick. Not a, a Colts pick, but I think the Colts are going to rampage all over that division, a really bad division. Jacksonville rebuilding, Houston doing whatever they're doing. And the Tennessee Titans, the NFL, you know, a, a, year, a year goes by in the NFL and it feels like five years. And we're going to, next year when Tennessee is struggling, we're going to look and say, man, the Titans were the number one seed last year. How did this happen? <laughs> Am I a loser? And I'm already getting... 
people, Titans fans are all over me. Like, oh yeah, say bad things about us. You know, it just makes us matter. It makes the team play better or whatever. I'm down on this whole offense. I'm down on Tannehill. I'm yeah. nervous to draft Derrick Henry, who's just, you know, been abused in high school, college, and the pros with the workload. And I just worry that, that tax needs to be paid. AJ Brown has left the building. We'll we'll see if they've they've found you know they they drafted into a receiver they're happy about. But we'll, you know, I don't expect anybody to ever be as good as AJ Brown. It's just a, a bad bet to make. I see a lot of I like the coaching staff. The defense is okay. It's not great. I think this is the year where, where Tannehill kind of loses his way because he's not supported. I'm not sure about the offensive line. I, I could see Tennessee easily being a 7-10, 8-9 type of team. They were the number one seed in the AFC last year. The route to the playoffs, to the Super Bowl, went through Tennessee. Of course, you know, they didn't hang around that long. But um, I think they're going to collapse. I, I, I hate this offense right now. I don't want to draft anybody on it. Yeah, no, it's hard to argue with that. I, I didn't put Ryan Tannehill on this list. He He's certainly a strong candidate for it. They also drafted, you know, they drafted Malik Willis in, in like round three. So it's not like they're compelled to play. Him. I want to be fair like here. Have to I, I, I want to make field. one thing clear. I'm fa- I, this, My loser is the whole offense. I don't want to draft Henry right, either. Right. I, I, he scares me. Do you, are you drafting Derrick Henry this year, do you think? Yeah, I get it. I would... Um, I mean, am I drafting him this year? I don't know. I haven't, like, uh, all the best balls and mocks that we've had so far, I haven't really been in the Derrick Henry range. I've had either the number one pick where I'm definitely not taking him because, um, you know, that's obvi- that's obviously Taylor or it's Josh Allen and a super flex, but it's never Derrick Henry. Um, well, what, where, but when consider- are you taking Henry? Like, if you and I were co-managing a team, Okay, and let's just say the first. Yeah, I'd start. I'd start arguing for you know all this depends on format. Um, but I but I'd start arguing for Henry around pick uh, around pick four or five. I think that's I think that's totally reasonable. I mean, he was, you know, he was the right answer last year until he wasn't until he hurt the foot. Um, and, yeah, he still was know, running he back. Did, he still was running back fourteen, missing half the season. Which yeah, he was. Crazy. He was like a top ten. He was like top ten, top top eight maybe on the rushing leaderboard, despite uh, missing half of the year. Um, so that's pretty impressive. I mean, he was. He was great until uh, until he couldn't play. He was even he he was in, he was pretty good, um, but obviously slowed in the game in which he was already playing on a broken foot, presumably. Right. Like, so I, I am assuming that he comes back from that. He came back for the postseason. Wasn't exceptional. But yeah, I mean, I think on on workload, on past performance and yet like to to the point that I'm I'm sure you're probably itching to make um you'd you'd rather be you'd rather be out a year too early on a guy than just about to say that yeah then yeah and And i take i take no joy in that because he's he's one of the signature players in the nfl and what's more fun than derrick henry just rambling through like everybody the whole team photo on defense yeah you know it's a blast to watch him play i don't i don't want to watch him get older and you know i I did enjoy watching you know, Earl Campbell you know, lose his moxie or, you know, watching like Steve Carlton toil on the Indians, you know, back when they were the Indians. Um, it's not, it's no fun to watch players get older uh, and, and to lose their stuff, you know, and, and it's very seldom where we see like a John LA or a David Ortiz or Nick Lindstrom, Raymond Bork guys who are just great until the moment they decide not to play anymore. You know, most people why have- the Brady thing is wild. Nobody's ever been this old doing it. And, and nobody's certainly nobody's ever been good at this age. You think, it's crazy. Do you think Brady's a pretty safe pick or you think there's a chance he could go Peyton Manning on us weekend at Bernie season? I mean, I, I would say that except that I first said that like five years ago, you know, I like, that was the point I was making. Like when he was merely 40, I was like, Hey, there's not a history of good 40 year old quarterbacks outside of like Brett Favre and like one other season. And so watch out, it could be the end at any moment. And here we are like four or five years later. 
and Tom Brady is coming off a 5,000 yard season and he's surrounded with talent. And the, the, the issue and, and the, the reason that, um, it's the, the Peyton Manning question is pretty much unanswerable is that, uh, you know, Peyton Manning was an absolute iron man invulnerable to injury until he wasn't until, until something really happened. Right. And then, you know, at a certain age, you know, you and I know this, we're ancient people. Um, like you, you hurt something and it hurts for the rest of your life. Right. <laughs> like, like almost, almost everything I've hurt since I turned 40, I, I can still feel at some, at some point on some day. Right. Like, and, and so that's, it's basically what happened with Manning. You, you get like a, a cascade effect with injuries. I feel like it happened with Drew Brees, uh, as well. Like, um, there was, I mean, there was a game late in a, a pretty great season late in his career where like, it was a Falcons game and he came out of it dinged a little bit and just never, you know, and uh, basically was done for the end of that season, never really threw the ball downfield ever again in his NFL career. So I do feel like Brady's Brady's probably like one injury away from um, uh, maybe not getting back to the level at which he is right now. But, you know, until that happens the guy's a wizard. The guy's an absolute sorcerer. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to give you my next, I don't even know what number we're at. Three. Are we at three? Are we at three? Um, uh, and I, I'm I'm gonna do the I'm gonna do the Pianowski uh, uh, I'm gonna use the Pianowski loophole that you used with Tennessee here and I'm gonna I'm gonna mention more than one guy. This for me is uh, I couldn't I couldn't choose between DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. They're both obvious offseason losers. Um, as we sit here, you know they've they've suffered the biggest downgrade that you can at the quarterback position i i think right like going from russell wilson to either geno smith or drew lock like those are the options maybe there's still a path for baker mayfield to get there but what the hell are we talking about like that's still a massive downgrade um baker baker belongs to that tier in all likelihood with geno smith and drew lock perhaps not that bad but not not far from it and i mean man d like DK was a was a an 80 catch 1300 yard 10 touchdown receiver just a minute ago. Tyler Lockett was a 100 catch receiver just a minute ago. They have no hope of recapturing that in in this offense if they both stick here. Now, either one of them could theoretically still move. There's um there's teams that are in desperate need of of receiving talent and hey, they're it. Like DK is going to have to get paid really soon too. I mean, we've seen what the other receivers around the league who are sort of you know, at, at his stage in the career, um, as they head into that second contract, how many trades that's triggered. So we'll see if something still happens with Metcalf, but for now, just absolutely massive fantasy losers. This was my number one and, and a clear number yeah. one. I, I felt like the rest of my list was very fluid and I could have moved pieces around. So I'm curious to see what you have at one and two, but I can't tell myself, I can't draft proactively into these guys. I, I have to be in a room where the cost has come down the price, the ADP, whatever you want to say, where it's like, oh, now I'm tempted to take. And these are very talented receivers. And, you know, I've had a really nice run. You're going back to the Doug Baldwin days and then Lockett. And then, you know, Metcalf, of course, was a monster. You know, the year that the Patriots drafted to Keel Harry when players like DK Metcalf were available after the first round and, and <laughs> AJ Brown and Terry McLaurin and, and on and on it goes. But, um, they were they were not You're playing the Pianowski drinking game. That's two Nikhil Harry mentioned. There you so go. Far. There you go. Welcome to the Nikhil Harry podcast. I do have an Arizona State hockey hat back there. I'm not supporting the Arizona <laughs> State uh, football program. He did go to ASU, right? Was it? He go to Arizona? I think he went to ASU. Anyway, much uh, love to producer Colin who set me up with that lid. It's a great hat. But man, I love my love my Ice Devils. How can you how can you draft proactively into a receiver if you you don't if you're this if the quarterback situation is just shipwrecked, I can't do it. Yeah. And um, 
I don't, because that trade hasn't happened already, I, I, we can't rule out a trade. And I know it's been the craziest off season for that type of thing, but I feel like that window is almost closed. The teams are almost to the point where they're going to play with what they have. So I think DK Metcalf and, and Tyler Lockett are stuck in Seattle. And I, I think it's a big mess. And, and that was my number one. Uh, my number two is, and I don't know much more there is to say on this, but Aaron Rodgers came back for this came back for life without Devonte Adams uh, they drafted the second round receiver. They're, you know, they're excited about whatever, you know, they, they added the, we knew they'd add a boring veteran and then they did. Um, I look at this depth chart. It makes me sad. They have talent at running back. I think green Bay is outkicked. It's, it's Pythag coverage the last couple of years. I think this is the year they fall back and they're a 10 and 17. They're an 11 and 16, which is no shame at all, but I don't think they're a major Super Bowl contender anymore. And it's at the point now Rogers doesn't run. I don't see, him and Adams were just, you know, peanut butter and jelly. They were, they had such a great understanding of each other and, and they, they could just give each other a look and, and make up things on the fly. It was just, I feel almost cheated that they're broken up because it's just, you know, it's like Stockton and Malone, you know, that it's just, they should be playing together and they're not, but I um, mean, we'll see how Derek Carr does with Adams. They obviously go back to Fresno state and that should be fun on some level, but you know, Adams and Rogers, it's just a generational thing. You just don't see that. Um, they're on the, if, if the if the NFL Network is one of the great you know one of those top ten lists worth like you know, great quarterback receiver combinations you know Adams and Rodgers would be top five and you could even have them at one you know Manning Harrison would be on that list I'm not sure you know, maybe Namath and uh, Happy Birthday Joe Namath and and um, uh, Maynard Don Maynard would be on that list whoever but you know, Adams and Rodgers as good as anybody in the fantasy era so I'm not drafting Aaron and look I get it you don't come to this podcast necessarily for hot takes on quarterbacks. I mean, there's just so many good ones you want to draft that if you have some that you don't want to draft, you know, you can live just fine without Aaron Rodgers this year. But I'm I'm worried this passing game is going to be, I'll take Lazard at the price he is at now. I think that's going to rise because he's probably going to lead the team in targets and have one of those, you know, 970 and six, 970 and seven useful seasons. I don't think anybody will win their league because of Alan Lazard, but he should be useful. But I think Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers just won the last two MVPs. I got to figure his MVP odds now. I, they're either they're they're so high that you know it, it reflects what's changed in the personnel here, or they're so low that it's a sucker bet that they just think that some Packer fan you know wants to spend money on Aaron Rodgers. But I think Green Bay is going to fall back two or three wins this season, and I think Rodgers is going to lose a ton of his production from last year. Yeah, he was my number two as well. So you've already you've already gone with my number one. I've taken your number one, Rogers. This is where we sync up. Rogers was my number two, um, and I and I think you're right. Like it wasn't obviously as the back to back MVPs, but you go back a little bit further than that to like 2018, 2019, 25 touchdown passes, 26 touchdown passes. Right? He was great. Never like never threw a pick. You know, I think of all the things that I that I said a few minutes ago about Carson Wentz. That is exactly the opposite of Aaron Rodgers. Right. He does not put the ball at risk. An absolute surgeon, just a a brilliant player. But we could, you know, a really good Aaron Rodgers season in 2022 probably looks like 2019. Right. 25, 26 touchdown passes, 4000 yards efficient offense that never gives the ball away. Like that's how they're going to have to win. Um Aaron Jones is probably the leading or second leading receiver right now, right? Like you, I mean, and we've gone over some of these numbers before, but there are over 240 vacated receiver targets on this team. And they've added Christian Watson and Sammy Watkins. Like <laughs> that's rough. That is really rough. And 
And Watson might be a thing down the road, but the leap from North Dakota State to the NFL is a pretty big one. And I'm not assuming that it's going to go flawlessly for him. Um, it's just I, I can't I can't make a case for Aaron Rodgers wherever he, like wherever he's going to be drafted um, when we really get into the thick of draft season in, in August and September. I, I, it's hard for me to imagine being in on him. I can just see like there's going to be a football game, like a standalone game, and Rodgers is going to throw a ball to an area where nobody is, and he's going to have his hands on his hips, and Collinsworth is going to be like, you know, Aaron Rodgers is a big trust guy, and right now I don't think he trusts any of his receivers. And he's like, Devontae Adams isn't here. Alan Lazard isn't really a number one. You know, we can't trust Walker to get, get a lot of reps right now. He's like, I want the guys I had three years ago. Where are they? Yeah. He's gonna have yeah, this, you know, he's, a, he's gonna be like this, you know, hands on his hips, or that that Aaron Rodgers, you know, that stink eye that he gives. It's it's one of the things with with the great quarterbacks, right? I mean, Marino would bark at you, Manning would bark at you, Brady will, you know, you screw up, Brady will let you know it. Um, you know, Aaron Rodgers, it's not he doesn't sugarcoat it. You know, you know Matt Ryan probably you know, says shakes it off and pats you on the back or whatever, but uh, you know, you screw up, Aaron Rodgers lets you know about it. I think the body language on Aaron Rodgers this year is going to be is going to be fantastic. If, if for if, years he would give that look to Jer, was it Jermichael Finley? Finley? Didn't have a cell that, phone number, is it, right? Is that the story? <laughs> yeah, even yeah, Urban Meyer. He know. would give that look to Finley, and then it and then it went to MVS. Right? Who's going to be that guy? They're going to miss sure? him. I don't know. I think they're going to miss MVS. I I'm actually kind oh, of sure. feeling some MVS juice in Kansas City. So I'll, I'll quickly, very quickly, I'll just run through who I had as also receiving votes, guys. I, I we ultimately are not going to talk about. Uh, Mike Gusecki is you know. Tyreek Hill's here, and they added Chase Edmonds, who can catch the ball. Nobody still knows if, if two is any good. Uh, James Robinson, it sounds like his rehab is going slower than Travis Etienne's. I thought maybe a few months ago that James Robinson would be one of my, oh, yeah, it'd be a great price on him, but I needed to hear more positive news than I've heard. And every- you know, if I could, if I could, if I could pause right there, I I thought about um, using one of these spots to just discuss some of the guys that were that suffered pretty significant injuries like in week 15 and beyond who I see getting drafted really early. Like, and again, we're just drafting like best balls and mocks right now. But every time I see Godwin or Michael Gallup or James Robinson going like really early where it, it, it's going to hurt a little bit if, if they can't play early in the, like they're probably not going to play early in the season. There's, and you know, nobody makes this point better or more frequently than you. Like, injury optimism is is not your friend you know like that is a that is a killer in fantasy and and when we're talking about guys who got who got hurt significantly in december the the odds of them helping you during the fantasy regular season at all are pretty slim yeah i I, well said um godwin is right now i I think the guy that the market's really getting wrong that they're not pricing in that if nothing else, you're not going to get much out of him early. And then you have to assume, you know, when does he come back? Is, is he get full reps right away? Is there like that kind of caught in the carpet week? And this time, yeah, these it- aren't suspensions either where they come back and they're a hundred percent healthy, right? Like they're going to, they're going to come back and they're going to play limited snaps and they're not going to cut the same way. And they're going to still be finding their way a little bit. Like it's, it's a mess. Yeah. And that ties into the last guy who was on my list, who was this player last year was Michael Thomas, where yeah. Oh, I'll I'll draft Michael Thomas and he'll take me to the championship when he comes back in week seven or week eight or week ten or week never. Uh, has it been two years since Michael Thomas scored a touchdown? It's been a long time. And what's happened? Um, they drafted a first round receiver in Olave. They added Jarvis Landry, who you know, maybe isn't a target hog, but he's probably going to catch seventy five or eighty balls. Uh, James Winston may not be a hundred percent right now. 
and Michael Thomas and the Saints, their relationship is, is kind of been on rocky footing for a while. So I, I needed some positive vibes from Michael Thomas for him to get back on my proactive draft list. And I've seen maybe things haven't gone terrible for him, but I, I don't I can't remember the last time I saw a piece of news. I thought, oh, things are breaking the way for Michael Thomas that we need them to. I haven't seen any of that recently. Yeah, Thomas was a dishonorable mention for me. The other, the other name that I almost included, um, and and that you didn't mention there was uh, was hurts me to say it, but uh, nothing has gone nothing has gone particularly well for DJ Moore. Like, oh, I almost no, had him too. Yeah, yeah, we don't have a quarterback in Carolina yet. Like, it's still Sam Darnold or maybe a third round rookie. Um, maybe they can make a move for Jimmy Garoppolo, but the you know they were talking about Baker. May- but these are not these are not exciting names. Like none of these none of these names are like needle movers for for dj moore who has literally never had a like a just a great fantasy i almost wrote down more too i the way i did my list is i went on the rotowire and i went through the depth charts and, and just kind of went that way and when carolina came up early because you know c for carolina and i saw dj moore and i started to write his name down i thought well one i really like dj moore and i, I just hate the yeah. lot that he has right now and i thought well I already knew Seattle was going to be high on my list. I knew Rogers was going to be high on my list. I, I knew Tennessee would probably be on my list. So I thought, okay, I, I it's going to depress me to talk about DJ Moore. I'm just going to, <laughs> I'm just going to skip him. He would probably, you know, be on the borderline anyway, as he was for you. But I guess we had to have a little bit of a sad talk for DJ Moore, the sad trombone. It's just, you look at that. It's one of these things where I know what the Carolina depth chart is a quarterback. But yet I looked at it hoping that somebody different was on the list. <laughs> you know, like, okay, even like Baker Mayfield at this point would, would look like a Manning brother on this team. Well, you, know? you were on vacation. You were at a wedding. Maybe something happened. Right. Maybe I missed catch, something. Right? Yeah. And, the, 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 oh, suddenly Jimmy Garoppolo is on here. Okay. Trade for so like, you know, some CFL five-time MVP or something. Did something happen? Yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. You take me away. Yeah, Jimmy. Um, again, May- Mayfield <laughs> would look like a Manning brother on this team. But um, instead, it's the same, same sad song. So. Sorry, DJ Moore. Enjoy your uh, enjoy your four touchdown season that's coming, and he's so good. And he and you know what's going to happen is he's going to have three or four games where he does nothing, and then he's going to have like a monster first half where he's going to go like eight for one fifty seven and touchdown. And then Twitter's going to be a bunch of I hope you bought low on DJ Moore. The the buy low right. windows closed now. And but he's gonna but he's gonna finish with like eighty five catches, uh, eleven hundred and fifty yards, something like that, and as you say, four touchdowns, um, which is just not gonna pay the fantasy bills, right? But you could, you can see where that guy attached to even I don't know, Carson would Carson Wentz do it for me? Probably like that would that would almost certainly be the the best passer that he's played with since I don't know when. Um, had a terrible quarterback situation at Maryland too. Like he's never had a good quarterback. You're gonna see Buck and Aikman on some Monday night game, and they're gonna show DJ Moore. And it's gonna be like you know. Uh, uh, Joe, uh, they talked it during that pregame meeting. They, they said they wanted to get him involved, and we're here in the third <laughs> quarter. He's got one target, no catches. I don't know what's going on here. This is one of the best receivers in football. You, you got to figure out. You hand him the ball if you have to. You know, it's what yep. are you doing? Oh, hate to send you out on a note like that, but that's what we're going to do. That is going to do it for this episode, folks. You can follow him on Twitter at Scott underscore Pianowski. Follow me at Andy Barons. While you're there, uh, I would like to think that you're following at Yahoo Fantasy. If you're not following it by now, uh, maybe this maybe this tag at the end of a podcast isn't going to make a difference for you. But damn it, you should be following it. Uh, Liz and Matt are going to be back on Thursday. Until then, we are out. We are out.